told you this story before, so this might be familiar. But when I was 18 years old, uh, I went to Aurora Gems and I bought an engagement ring. It's beautiful. And I planned to propose to Jenny O'Keefe. She was beautiful. Because Jenny O'Keefe was planning to go to Europe for a year uh, to go to Bible school, and I wanted to make sure I had it on lockdown, right, before she <laughs> left the country and was exposed to European men. <laughs> so we had been in a relationship for a little while, and uh, it was time. And so uh, I, uh, her parents, actually her mom is here today, but uh, her parents were overseas at the time, so I, so I emailed them and I said, hey, I'm planning to propose to your daughter. Her dad had actually already given me permission sometime like my senior year in high school, which was a little jumping the gun, but, <laughs> and he responded uh, very graciously and said, um, I, I think that's a bad idea. Uh, what he knew that I didn't know was that Jenny had it on her heart that she needed to go to this, this one-year commitment to go to Bible school overseas, unattached, uncommitted, fully available to whatever God had in store for her, which I was fine with as long as that meant she was coming home to me, right? <clears throat> so I took the ring back. I got a refund on an engagement ring. It was wah wah. And I was a wreck. <laughs> My girlfriend left to go to Europe. She was never going to come back, you know, because God doesn't let us have nice, beautiful things. And I was devastated. I was. Uh, I was kind of a mess for a little while. And it was actually Mark Edens, uh, Pastor Mark Edens over at Regent, that brought some clarity into my heart and my mind for the first time. But what I realized then is something that I've come up against a number of times in my life since that time. Um, I realized that my heart and my mind had gone off course in a way um, that has happened since then in other areas of my life. <clears throat> in a way that actually I've been wrestling with recently. So for the next, so you guys know, this is our last Sunday here. Isn't that crazy? Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Every time I say that, Tom just like, <clears throat> So. Some people, uh, like Tom, are very excited about our move to the high school. Some people actually felt like they, they've been more at home at Church on the Rock in this space than they ever were at the gymnasium. And so some will go with jubilation, some will go with grief and loss. Either way, we're going because this building does not facilitate uh, ministry uh, for Church on the Rock adequately for Sunday mornings. So as a, just as a reminder, so next Sunday, there's no regular service. We're actually going to do kind of like a rehearsal, and we're going to have a service for our leaders. If you were to sneak into that service, we wouldn't kick you out. Uh, there won't be any kids programs next Sunday. Um, and then we will be uh, in the gym on October 3rd. One more round of applause, Tom, please. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, <clears throat> so today, and then on October 3rd, I'm gonna share a couple of things. We're actually gonna step out of our normal storyline, and I'm gonna share a couple of things that God has been uh, teaching me, showing me. A couple of themes that, have, that I have found uh, have invaded many of my conversations over the last many months with, with many of you. So if you and I have had a conversation on the same theme, just know that I'm not calling you out singularly this morning. Uh, I've had sort of a reoccurring conversation that is consistent with some things that God has been teaching me over the past several months, and I believe kind of provide a way for you and for us collectively provide a way forward. So that's what we're going to do. This morning, I want to define a term uh, that has become very important to me, a biblical term, and the term is peace. A very simple definition of the word peace or the idea is a state of inner calm, contentedness, and completeness. That is a quality of the inner person where I'm at rest, where I am okay, and where I feel whole. That's peace. <clears throat> what I want to do this morning is I'm going I'm to expand our definition biblically, and then I want to share with you why this has been relevant to me and kind of the journey that I've been on. I'm going to share with you four passages that expand our definition. The first one is John 14, 27. Jesus says, peace I leave you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or fearful. So the first thing that, that we, we discover, if you're looking to understand peace from a biblical standpoint, is that there are different kinds of peace, right? There is a peace that Jesus provides, and there is a peace that the world provides. And those, um, as a matter of quality, are different from each other. It doesn't actually explain exactly how, but clearly there are two different kinds, right? It says, I don't give you the kind of peace that the world gives you, uh, I give you a peace that comes from me, and there is an outcome of this peace, and that is that your hearts are not troubled or fearful. Now, if I'm being fully honest, I would say, okay, not fearful, like that I track with, but not troubled, not troubled, not bothered. But the outcome of the peace that I give you is that your heart will not be troubled or fearful. So let's expand our, our definition. Peace is a state of inner calm, contentedness, and completeness that is not of this world, but comes from Jesus and overcomes my troubled or fearful heart. You tracking with that so far? Verse number two, John 16, 33, Jesus says again, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation, but take courage, for I have overcome the world. So we have two additional details. The first is that the peace that we have isn't just something that comes from Jesus. It's something that comes through Jesus. He says not just that my, the peace that I give you is something that I, I, I grab a hold of and hand off to you. The peace that I give you is me. I am your peace. And 
An additional outcome of the peace that I give you is that regardless of the tribulations that you experience, your heart is filled with courage. So, revising again, peace is a state of inner calm, contentedness, and completeness that is not of this world, but comes from Jesus, through Jesus, and fills my troubled or fearful heart with courage. It's pretty good. Verse number three, Philippians 4, 7. The peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God which surpasses all, uh, your, your, your scripture might say, uh, surpasses all understanding or is beyond understanding. And what Paul is actually saying in Philippians is that the peace of God is a peace that is not attached to circumstantial evidence. In other words, the peace of God is separate from my environmental justifications. Not only that, but then he says, and this peace actually has a protective impact on your heart and mind. It actually guards your heart and mind. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna explain that a little bit here in a, in a few minutes. Peace is a state of inner calm, contentedness, and completeness that is not of this world, that defies circumstantial justification, that comes from Jesus, through Jesus, that fills my troubled or fearful heart with courage and protects my mind and heart against other threats. It is a peace that I don't come to through my external context. It is a peace that comes from and through Jesus. Last one. Colossians 3, 15. Let the peace of Christ to which you were indeed called in one body rule your hearts and be thankful. A final outcome of the peace of Christ is a heart of gratitude. So peace, biblically speaking, is a state of inner calm, contentedness, and completeness that is not of this world, that defies circumstantial justification, that comes from Jesus, through Jesus, that fills my troubled or fearful heart with gratitude and courage and protects my mind and heart against other threats. That's the peace of God. That's a pretty robust peace, yeah? That's a pretty substantial kind of peace. When Jesus speaks in John 14 and 16, it's in the context of the upper room. He has just dismissed Judas to go and do his dirty deeds. 
And it's in that place that he says, the peace that I offer you, that I give you, that comes from me and through me, is unlike anything that the world can provide for you. But it's a gift that I leave with you. So by a show of hands, how many of you would say that in the last 18 months, you have experienced nothing other than a state of inner calm, contentedness, and completeness that is not of this world, that defies circumstantial justification, that comes from Jesus through Jesus, that fills your troubled or fearful heart with gratitude and courage, and protects your mind and heart against other threats. Oh no. <laughs> That's the peace of God. So this is the question that I have been processing through on my own. What do you do if you don't have that peace? How do you get it? Why don't I have it? If I want it, why, why do I not experience that? A peace that is so substantial, so robust and permanent, that nothing of my external context can diminish the quality of my experience of that peace in any way. How do I get that? So, I'm going to tell you, and now this is in the form of testimony, I'm going to tell you how I get there. Step number one, repent. Of what? Step number one, repent of my idolatry. So let me explain. I feel like pandemic has probably been particularly difficult for hypochondriacs. Fair? Like, it feels like there's, we've all kind of like been challenged in different ways, but if you're a hypochondriac, God bless you, we love you. Also, I would say this maybe has been more challenging for you, right? I've recently been back in a relationship with some, some old uh, mentors from back in my moody days down in Chicago. In fact, I was in Chicago last weekend visiting with them, Ray and Nancy Kane. And before my trip, Ray Kane uh, asked me to take the Enneagram test, which I'd never done because I'm tired of personality tests. <clears throat> and he said, I want you to take the Enneagram because it will help me understand how you process painful events in your life. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. I would like to know that too. <laughs> so I took the Enneagram, and it turns out I'm an Enneagram 9, which is the only category of people that have had a more difficult time through the pandemic than hypochondriacs. <laughs> a 9 is a peacemaker. I'm at peace internally when there is relational harmony when people are getting along, when everyone agrees with each other, and as a result, there's no relational drama. 
I'm living the dream. <laughs> and to the degree that I put relational harmony in my environment in the absence of drama, in the place of God, I will only have internal peace when there is relational harmony in the absence of drama. Because I have, I by nature derive peace the way the world does, through my environment. And the moment that there is relational conflict and drama that is out of my control, my peace vaporizes. And when my peace leaves, I become troubled, I become anxious, I become discontented, I become fearful. And from that place, because I've looked to these external, broken, fallen sources for my internal experience of peace, to the degree that those sources fail me, my heart and my mind are actually now exposed to greater threats. I'm tempted to resent and become bitter because you have taken my peace. Or I become apathetic and I become more isolated. Or worst of all, I succumb to self-righteousness. What was the problem? What is the fundamental issue? Why do I not experience peace the way that the scripture describes it? Because I have a source of peace that I have placed above my relationship with God, and that source has failed me as God knew that it would. And so what am I left with? A state of inner angst restlessness and dissonance that comes from the world that is circumstantially justified, that does not come from Jesus, that troubles my already anxious, discontented, and fearful heart, and exposes my mind and heart to other threats. If I'm not experiencing the quality of peace that the scripture describes, it's because I have learned to derive my peace from sources that cannot provide it. I have placed those sources inadvertently, maybe subconsciously, outside of my even awareness, but I have leaned on those sources beyond what I, what, I, what I require from the Lord or go to the Lord for, and to the degree that those sources failed me, now I've got nothing left. When Jenny went to Europe, I was a mess because I had made that beautiful girl my idol. And I worshiped her. I still do, but in a healthy way. <laughs> because I had placed the peace that, that, I, that I derived through that relationship 
was God to me. And to the degree that there's been any interference in your experience of the supernatural peace of God, it is because there is a source of peace in your life that you have. Again, it might be inadvertently, it might be unconsciously, but that, that has taken a position above God. And when you lose that, whatever you are deriving from God is not sufficient. I'm not at peace because my source of peace has failed me. And Jesus says, but if I was your peace, I never fail. I never change. How would your peace be at all diminished if it's from me? And so I repent of my idolatry. What is the thing that has robbed your peace? Has it been the changing political landscape? Is it health concerns? Relationships? To finances, uncertainty. It's a Christmas carol. In despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then rang the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill towards men. So number one, I have to repent of my idolatry. Number two, this is a two-step plan. I have really boiled this down for you. You're welcome. Hold more tightly to Jesus. What I am in the process of discovering is the same thing that you're discovering, many of you, and that is that whatever efforts, whatever measures, whatever habits or disciplines that I had exercised previously to hold fast to Jesus are no longer sufficient going forward. How do I know that? Because my peace was broken. If your peace has been diminished or it is gone, it simply indicates that your previous efforts to cling to Jesus, while sufficient for then, are not sufficient for now. And I must go further and deeper with him. He becomes like a pacemaker attached to my heart, sinking my heart with his heart. And when a disturbance comes, comes along, it is the peace of God in me that takes control and realigns my heartbeat with his. Chris, you guys can come up. 
Whatever things were gained to me, this is Philippians 3, these things I have counted as loss because of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And I count them as mere rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Paul says there's so many things I went after in order to achieve for myself some things that I valued, that I needed for myself, all of those things I consider loss when compared to the surpassing value of knowing Jesus, of gaining Jesus, of being found in him, in relationship with him. All of the things that we derive peace from, well, not all, a lot of them, are actually not bad things. They're good things. Health is a good thing. Uh, Financial blessing is a good thing. Politicians who act according to the will of God, that's a good thing. And yet, whatever I have placed my stock in as a source of peace, I come before the Lord and I say, oh, gosh, that's, that's all loss. I need you. And I need an experience of you today. that is sufficient. It is only a faith that springs from a profound experience of God in Christ through the Spirit that will sustain you with peace beyond understanding. Today, I need to know and experience His goodness afresh I need to know and experience new depths of his love, the kindness of his purposes, true peace from him. You feel that need? And I sure do. Let's come before the Lord. Let's take a minute together collectively while we're here. Chris will just play for a, uh, a minute or two. Take a minute and just confess to him, God, these are the things that I have made idols. These are the things that I have, that have robbed my peace because I've attached my experience of peace to those sources. I confess that to you and I come to you in need of you and a greater experience of you today. Let's do that now. <laughs> 